Welcome to Short Course, episode 71, for July 17th, 2020. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week on the podcast, I want to talk about IDPA. And in particular, I want to say some nice things about IDPA. And I'm not doing this as a joke. I actually think that there are some things that IDPA does right, and I think we can learn from them, or, or at least um, take them as, in, as instructive examples. Now, you might be asking, Ben, what do you know about IDPA? You don't shoot IDPA. And that's more or less true uh, these days. I think I, I've averaged probably one IDPA match a year for the last four or five years, probably, something like that. But I got my start in IDPA, the, the first match, the first competitive match I ever shot, which was also, I think, the second or third time I'd ever shot a gun. Um, I'm not joking about that. Uh, was a an IDPA match in April of 2009 it, with a borrowed 1911. I, I was introduced to shooting by some regular IDPA shooters, and they took me out to the range, let me shoot a little bit, and then said, you know, shoot your first match, and I did. Haven't looked back since. I did, in fact, place dead last at that match. Uh, I initially classified in IDPA when I did initially classify in 2011. So after I'd been shooting on and off a couple matches, you know, once every couple months, uh, when I initially classified, I initially classified IDPA novice and did eventually work my way up to master. Of course, when it came to USPSA, I initially classified C-class as well. So um, I've, I have, I've run the gamut, you could say. But the, the upshot of it is I, so I started out in IDPA and I actually still have a, have a soft spot in my heart for IDPA for one good reason, many good reasons that we'll talk about, but, but probably the first one is just the fact that it, it is, despite the, the, the cover rules and the, the gear rules and the concealment rules, which can be a little bit gimmicky, it's still just an easier place to start. It, it is still, if I didn't have the option to send somebody to some kind of low rules, run what you brung kind of outlaw match that I, that I trusted, I, I would tell them to start in IDPA instead of instead of USPSA period the stages are shorter at a max they're going to be 18 round stages most stages are going to be 12 rounds at least from my experience which to be fair like I said I probably it's probably been four or five years since I actively competed in IDPA I think 2013 was probably the last well also more like seven years actually if you put a number on it 2013 uh, 2014 was probably the last time I really did any kind of serious training, shot IDPA matches regularly. And as with all things, it, it's somewhat regional. I never traveled outside of North Carolina to, to shoot an IDPA match. So uh, my experience with IDPA matches might, it is both distant in time, um, and it's also might be, might be limited to the area that I'm in. But then again, it might not be. But, but this is, my experience is that there really is not, in from what I see, a better place right now. If you've got a Glock 17 and three mags and a holster and you just want to go out and shoot your first match, I think you throw on a jacket, you throw on a button-up shirt, you put on your holster, you get a couple mag pouches, and, and you go shoot IDPA. If nothing else, I mean, the scoring system is, is also simpler, and that is, that is a good thing in the sense that I think it makes the sport more approachable. Now, I will take a detour here and talk about something that I've that I've mentioned before, which is the idea that I actually think 
that USPSA's hit factor scoring system is mathematically superior for the purpose of testing the highest level competitors in the state nation world. And that is because mathematically it is an exponential scoring system. As you get better, as hit factors get higher, smaller changes in your time actually become more valuable. This mirrors the nature of the exponential diminishing returns curve of getting better. So a mathematical example, let's say you are doing a draw to one shot. So in USPSA, that would be a single alpha, it's worth five points. If you draw and hit that one shot in one second, that is a five hit factor. To get a a score that's 10% better than that, you have to shave off a tenth of a second. So you have to get down to a 0.9 draw. But to get 10% better from there, you only have to go down 0.9 of a second to a 0.81 draw. So as the times get shorter, each, each place that you find a tenth is actually worth more. As the hit factors get higher, each place that you can get a little more accurate actually counts more. If you're, you know, if you're shooting middle of the pack C-class, it, it really doesn't matter the, the improvements. But when you're trying to differentiate uh, shooters at the top, you actually want to, to amplify the minute differences in their skill, the minute differences in their scoring to the point that you can actually get a more of a delta between the shooters. Because if, if the, if you're shooting a, a speed shoot and everybody's basically shooting it in four seconds down to Charlie's, then the, the difference in scores is going to be pretty darn minor. But the nice thing about hit factor is you actually, because as the numbers get smaller, small changes count more, you actually amplify the incrementally smaller gains that you make as you climb the diminishing returns curve. And so for a sport that is focused on the top 1% of shooters, of, of actually measuring their skill and comparing them to each other, it's actually a good thing. Hit factor scoring is actually mathematically a a superior system but it's also pretty opaque even somebody explaining it to you requires a certain amount of intuitive math and and understanding and and it takes it's a known thing that it will probably take you a couple years before you really get a good sense of of hit factors and the effect of of any given outcome on your score and and that's okay for something that is meant to be a sport uh, but IDPA, I think, really is is meant to be more, say, scored defensive gun practice. It's it's a way to evaluate yourself. But really, if you if you go to the IDPA match and you wear a vest that you never wear outside and you shoot a gun that you never carry and you win overall, I'm not sure you've really proved much of anything. It, certainly, to me, I think where I what I do when I shoot an IDPA match these days is I take a gun that I actually carry or I take a gun that actually sits on my bedside table and I go shoot that because I want practice. I want to get some rounds down range. I want to be challenged to hit difficult shots that, yeah, okay, I could set up some stuff in practice and, and do that sort of thing. But it's nice just being able to, to take this gun, run it through a, a series of challenges and be reminded of, oh, hey, you know, at 10 yards, with these night sights, I need to hold six inches low to get exact point of aim if I'm trying to make a really precise shot. That's that to me, that's what IDPA is good for. That's that's what I enjoy doing with it. And that's how I got into it. When I turned 21, I wanted to get my concealed carry permit because I was legally allowed to, and I, I could actually get a gun and carry it and own it, own a handgun. And 
I knew that it was not a good idea to just buy this thing and, and not practice with it. And I thought rather than going and punching paper at the square range, I, you know, should should actually do something else with it. And IDPA was was the obvious choice to, to do that in. And I I think there are a lot of great things about USPSA. I think as a sport, it is very rewarding. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just it doesn't it doesn't have that sense of practicality to me. Now, does that mean I, I think IDPA is better? Well, in that sense, yes. I think if somebody just wants to get some rounds once a month, they want to take two boxes of ammo, you know, they want to go shoot 100 rounds through their actual carry gun once a month, an IDPA match is a great way to do that. You go to, I mean, certainly the, the USPSA matches around here. So the, let's let's do some quick math. An average, ID, ID, an average match is probably going to be six stages. If it's 12 rounds each, that's 72 rounds. If you have a couple of, you know, 18 rounders mixed in there, maybe some extra shots of steel, you're, you're probably going to shoot 100 rounds at an IDPA club match. I don't think you can get out of here at a, at a USPSA match around here without at least 200. Now, part of that's the higher round counts. Most USPSA stages are going to be at least 24 rounds, many of them 30, many of them with challenging steel shots. And a lot of matches around here will run seven or eight stages. And so you're looking at 200 rounds easily. Now, for me, I load my own ammo. That doesn't really bother me. But for somebody who's still, they have one or two guns, they want somewhere to to get some practice with them. They're buying their ammo, buy the 50 round box at Walmart. That, that makes a difference that, you know, that that's a real, that's a, that's a real difference. That's the difference between you got $20 for your match fee, uh, assuming let's say 20 cents around for nine millimeter. I don't know what factory ammo. Well, Walmart doesn't even sell pistol ammo anymore. I hear, but you know, let's say 20 bucks for your match fee and then 20 bucks for ammo. That's a, that's a $40 night. If you can keep it at 40 instead of going up to 60, that matters. Now, again, I, I don't that that's a fundamentally different market than than what USPSA is is trying to target. USPSA is a sport about people who are passionate about it and training for it. And so I don't actually think that lowering the bar to entry uh, to USPSA is necessarily a good thing. I think it's actually better to have two different sports that serve two different markets and people can actually go <laughs> go where they have their needs met. And so I think IDPA is actually better for that. And I, I still, I, I will shoot IDPA as frequently as I can because I do still carry a gun all the time. And I want to get a chance to practice with my various carry guns. I have a bedside gun. I have a couple carry guns that I rotate between just depending on what I'm wearing that day, what, you know, holster, that kind of thing. And so being able to, to get out and shoot them in rotation is, it's nice. And to be totally honest, having as much practice as I do with other guns, having shot USPSA a lot, I it just doesn't make me worry that much about stuff like the draw in an IDPA match. I just go out with, now I can't, I usually carry appendix, I can't actually draw from that in a match, so I just take that holster, put it behind my hip, no, it's not the most comfortable thing, but I'm only wearing it for a couple hours anyway, and once the gun's in my hand, it's the, the shooting is the shooting, and I can practice my draws dry fire at home anyway, so I, I don't, I really don't see the, the big deal about that. Um, although, I mean, certainly if IDPA allowed appendix carry tomorrow, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. I'd, I'd be happy to, to do that as well. But, but either way, when I show up, I, I just put the gun under a t-shirt. I'm not worried about wearing a fishing vest and having somewhere to, to drop my tack loads. Cause I honestly, I know I can shoot fast enough to, to overcome the, <laughs> the guy who worries about that stuff because the, the guy who's yeah worrying about his, his tweaking his fishing vest and, 
you know, putting little lead weights in the corner to, to make it sweep back easier. Like it just, I, I don't need to compete on that level. I can, I can just shoot faster than him. And so that's, that's comforting. And so I can just show up to a match and put the gun under my t-shirt and just shoot and, and get, get that challenge, get that, that round count with these actual practical guns that I would never consider taking to a USPSA match. Now, could there be a USPSA match where I would take them? Sure. It, you know, in the guns in question, we're talking about things like, you know, carry gun, like a, an M&P 9C. So this is a three and a half inch barrel, double stack, 12 round, nine millimeter compact gun. Uh, you know, I'll also shoot, say, a, an XDS. That's another carry gun that I have. Again, nine millimeter, single stack. I think it's got seven round mags with a nine round, <clears throat> nine round reload. And if there were, you know, let's say you had a USPSA match where all you had to do, it's USPSA rules, but let's say you have two classifiers, which are generally going to be six reload six or, you know, some, some flavor of 12 to 14 rounds. They're going to be pretty, pretty short. And then you just have two to four other stages that are at most 18 rounds, something like that. Shorter stages. Would that, would that be more interesting to shoot with a carry gun? Yes. Would it be less interesting for the typical USPSA crowd? Yes. So, so I get why they don't do it, but there certainly is room within within the USPSA rule set to have some kind of restricted subset match that is more appealing to both new shooters and uh, people wanting to shoot more practical guns. But they that's not the culture of the sport, and I'm not saying it necessarily should be. I think IDPA fills that niche just fine, and so good. I mean, I'm not I'm not asking for for matches to be run that way. Although, I mean, I do find it fairly amusing that the best ad one of the best sources of recruiting for USPSA is IDPA and as as much as we like to you know make fun of their vests and uh and everything they a lot of people find their way into competition and get the bug through IDPA I did there are a lot of people that I know that that came in through that route and so the the fact that you know USPSA as a as a culture as an organization expects you to show up to your first match and you know have five magazines for your glock or shoot limited minor and you know be able stand there and shoot a 20 yard mini popper or you know a 32 round stage when you're you're not, you you literally have zero experience visualizing stages the, the fact that that idpa is effectively the feeder is is still pretty amusing to me i mean i'm not saying the uspsa needs to grow but if the goal if uspsa's goal was to grow to get bigger having basically no on-ramp program having no getting started in uspsa aside from show up to an eight stage club match bring 300 rounds it's not a great plan but again i i think it's fine i think idpa is there for this niche and so i think it actually fills that job nicely um let's see what else do i have on my list here lower gear requirements you can shoot your carry guns uh, i also had something in here this is just kind of more of a passing thought no, no pun intended, actually. Uh, but there was a, I remember hearing about a sport. This was probably, well, six, seven years ago. Uh, there was this thing called Premier Action Shooting Sports, Pass, and they were trying to start up a new rule set. I, I have no idea. I, I didn't even Google them before hitting record. Uh, but I, they, they had a thing where, and I actually thought this was kind of genius. They had concealment optional uh, depending on the division. So there were concealment and non-concealment divisions. And so you could actually have people at the same match shooting carry guns and race guns and the only difference was the gear division you were in dictated whether or not concealment was required i was like hmm, that's 
that's actually pretty cool. Again, does does either sport need that? No, as long as both are healthy, you can choose which match to go to. So I don't think we actually need that. But if either if either sport were to sort of um, decay, it would either need to be replaced by something that that filled that niche or one thing that filled both niches. But anyway, um, scoring is simpler. The downside of that, you know, so IDPA the way it is, I, I do think it was probably a mistake whenever it was a couple of years ago when they went from having one point down be a half a second to one point down being a full second. Um, it's it's just so punishing that it is it is stupid to shoot anything except all A's uh, in IDPA if you possibly can avoid it. And so I think it it takes out a lot of the risk reward. The, the penalties for trying to push speed are just so high that I think once you start getting sort of bored of dynamic bullseye, which is kind of how I feel like it it is these days, I think it, it tends to push people out who want to go fast, push them out into USPSA. So I, I don't think that's a good thing for IDPA, but but it is simple. It, it's easy to understand when you shoot your first match. You're like, oh, okay, I shot it in 14 seconds, and I had seven points down, so my final score is 21 point, you know, whatever. So it's it's simple. It's It's easy to approach. And I think it, you know, it serves the goal. I mean, certainly for me, when I shoot an IDPA match now, my my goal on every stage is to shoot it 100% clean. And usually I'm close. I'm down one or two points. And that's just because I don't want to take the time to just completely sit on every site picture. And I, you know, I want to go fast a little bit. And, and it's still, you know, usually good enough. But I would imagine if you, I, I haven't, I haven't looked at the results of nationals for years. I don't know who's still winning it. I don't know if Bob Vogel is still crushing everybody. Uh, but I would imagine if you looked at the the points totals from the guys winning it, it would be one to two points down per stage, period, if that. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone could come through and just be laser accurate and, and be dropping down zero on every other stage and, and be cleaning up just because a second per point is 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 too much. But it's simple. It, it serves the job. But it also, you know, just makes it so that harder shots aren't worth it. So that that's one of the other mathematically cool things about hit factor scoring is on a low hit factor stage, hard targets are actually worth more. They're more important. So on on a 10 hit factor stage in production, which it's pretty rare to get a 10 hit factor, but it makes the math easy. In a 10 hit factor stage in production, uh, two points for a Charlie is worth 0.2 seconds. So if you can get an alpha in 0.4 seconds or a Charlie in 0.2 second splits, that's a wash. Uh, so at that speed, you're not like the, the the accuracy doesn't matter that much. But if it's like a if it's, you know, the targets are out there, it's fairly low round count. Maybe there's a lot of steel you have to hunt and peck for. And it's more like a four or a five hit factor. Well, so in a four hit factor, the two points of an alpha over Charlie are worth half a second. So all of a sudden, on a lower hit factor stage, those those alphas actually become worth more. And this is why I actually think it's stupid when you see stages that have a bunch of challenging targets, and then they'll just be a, a bank of close hoser uh, close hoser targets. Basically, what they're doing is diluting the value of getting the alphas on the further targets by by bringing up the hit factor. They actually bring down the penalty for shooting Charlies and Deltas on those further targets. And so if you actually deleted those close hoser targets, the stage might actually become more interesting because you would actually reward accuracy more. Whereas those close hoser targets drag up the hit factor for the whole stage and, uh, and just change things. So I, 
again, mathematically, I think that that is one of the attributes of, of USPSA, where in IDPA, half a second is half a second. You know, if you if you shave that time anywhere on any stage in the entire match, it's all just totaled up straight across. And so it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Now, the nice thing about that is it's actually more forgiving for malfunctions, which, again, I think is more beginner friendly. If you have a you know, if you have a five second jam on a 10 second stage in USPSA, you are boned. It's just that that stage, I mean, you're going to be 20, 30 percent of the of the stage points because it's such a quick stage and you just that that jam costs you so badly. Whereas in IDPA, if you have a five second jam, it just goes straight to your bottom line. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether it was on a quick stage or a long stage. It just adds five seconds across the board. So I think the good thing about that is USPSA, again, it really incentivizes people to have very reliable gear. Ironically, I think people, the, the, the perception outside the sport is it's all this finicky race gear with things that don't really run. But certainly the people who are you know, top 16 at nationals, even in open, are they've got, they've got to have their gear squared away if they want to be competitive. And you can tell when somebody's pretty annoyed because they thought their gear was squared away and it's not. And it's taking them out of the running, not because of the shooting, but because of you know a, a, a three-second jam on a 10 second stage at open nationals where that's, you know, it's a 10 or a 12 hit factor. And those three seconds are just, just brutal. So anyway, the, the fact that, that time plus scoring basically makes it so that all, all problems are, are roughly equal, I think is good for the purposes of IDPA. And I think the way the hit factor works is good for the purposes of, of USPSA. Um, I will also say I think now this is this is hard to judge. I don't know if it's still like this. I don't know what the match culture in IDPA is like these days. But certainly when I was shooting it, IDPA was it was a less cutthroat, more social organization, or at least that the people that I shot with were were more social. Of the so I I graduated college in 2011. Of the friends that I've made through shooting since graduating college. So I have all my college friends and you know, that that's, that's one part of my life, but of the people that I've really become good friends with through shooting, almost all of them have been through IDPA. Um, now that's not to say I haven't met some, some cool people through USPSA, but generally they live further away. And, you know, we might exchange a couple messages, uh, uh, a month or something, but it's not, they're not the kind of people. I mean, for example, of the four groomsmen I had at my wedding, Three were college friends, and one was a friend that I met through IDPA, and he's still a good friend today. Just the the people who you know come over for a barbecue or you know go out to celebrate a birthday, they're they're mostly the the IDPA crowd, and I think a lot of that is just the fact that it tends to be it tends to be more personal. The matches are shorter. People tend to go out and socialize more. It's less, people take it less seriously. I mean, I, I, I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I just, I, when I'm shooting a USPSA match, I'm, I'm not particularly social because I'm there to manifest the highest degree of skill based on the practice that I've put in. And so, unfortunately, right. It isn't fun to be off in the corner visualizing the stage for the 20th time, but, but that's what I do because I want to get the best result on the stage. But there's something to be said for IDPA matches where you, you just don't really care that much. You, you actually want to kind of, okay, you know where all the targets are going to be, but you kind of want to shoot it a little bit on, on instinct just because it's, it's not about gaming the game. It's about getting some trigger time with actual guns that you might have to defend your life with. And so I, you know, that, that is to me, that's a, that's a good thing about IDPA. That's actually something that I, that I miss about it. And I, I would like to see 
that come back to USPSA. I, for example, I, I came into USPSA shortly before or as practice score was really taking over the sport. And, you know, it used to be that you would walk up and the, the first, you know, the earlier you got to the match, the, the better choice of squads you had because people, you know, you signed in, you paid your money and you wrote your name on a sheet of paper. And if you got there 30 minutes before the match started, you were going to be on whatever squad was full, which, I mean, it's kind of how it is now with registration, right? Whoever registers first in practice score gets, gets the best squad selection. But, uh, you know, there also used to be this idea that people would, would stick around at the club for 20 minutes, 30 minutes until the, until the printouts were made from easy win score where, you know, somebody was typing them all in. Now it sucked that we basically had to have one guy sitting in the shack all day typing in scores. I'm not going to deny that, but there was also a good part of it where people hung around and waited for scores and, and looked at them and, and socialized about them and said, Oh, you got me on this stage. And you know, Oh man, you, you had a terrible day. What happened here? And there was, there was a sort of bonding that happened there that um, for better or worse, practice score has, has just entirely eliminated, you know, people, they, they register online, they show up to their bay to shoot. They see the people on their squad. They don't really see anybody else. They get in their car, they drive home and they get the results uh, either in the competitor app or, or on the website when they get home. Is it convenient? Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. But it, it also isn't really, we're not building a community. We're not building, you know, relationships. We're not actually building that social fabric where people can actually help each other out and go to each other's kids' birthday parties or, you know, I mean, just, just all the things that you do with friends that you make as adults, whether it's through work or through some kind of club. There just, there just isn't a lot of that. And the other thing, honestly, is people just don't drive that far for IDPA matches. So odds are the the people you meet at an IDPA match are probably going to live near you. They probably live in the same town as you, whereas, you know, here in North Carolina, people will drive two, three, four hours for, for a really good club match. And so it's cool to see those people. You know, I, I always try and take five minutes, 10 minutes and just stand around and shoot the breeze with those people because I know I'm not going to get to see them afterwards. I know it might be six months before I get to talk to them again. And so it's really cool to have those moments, but it it would be nice to have more of that, more of that community, whether it's just serving food on the range after the match so people hang out and eat a burger. I You know, I don't know, but but there there is definitely something different there. And um, and and it's, I don't know how you fix it, but it's it's worth at least talking about. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? <laughs> so this, uh, this might be, this might be seen as, as a dig on IDPA, but I think it really isn't meant to be, but, but so let, let me put it this way. I think IDPA is more upfront about the fact that they are not a democracy. They, they are more clear about the fact that headquarters is running the show. I believe Joyce Wilson is still the I don't even know what the term is, executive director, whatever, you know, in charge. Uh, she's in charge and they, you know, they, they don't really have elections. You know, they, there's not, it's not a popularity contest. Headquarters does what headquarters wants to do. And if that includes things like putting advertisements in the rule book, then there's no, you know, <laughs> there's no sense of you voted for somebody who voted okay on this. Like, no, it's, this is, you paid the dues to, the person who's in charge, and if you don't like it, you can stop being a member of the organization. But there's no illusion of democracy. If I remember correctly, I believe the the state-level officials, which confusingly, uh, I believe IDPA calls area coordinators, 
Uh, this is certainly true when I competed actively. I didn't I didn't double check this before hitting record, uh, but I, they they were essentially in appointed position by headquarters. So headquarters says I want you to be our representative for North Carolina, and so that person understands that they aren't elected by the people of North Carolina. They serve at the pleasure of of headquarters. Uh, while at the same time, and I did double check this. I, I did look through the rule book uh, and, and double check this in 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 IDPA. If you file an arbitration, your state official, so they call it area coordinator, but again, for the USPSA audience, that might be confusing, but your, your state level official is the chairman of the arbitration committee, whether they're at the match or not, they, they are, they are the chairman of the, of the arbitration committee. And so the headquarters has their handpicked person for your region who at some level has to know that they serve at the at the leisure of headquarters. And if they do something that headquarters doesn't like, they will probably lose that position. So, and they're on every single arbitration committee. So in, in this way, headquarters is indirectly on every single arbitration committee, which is kind of bonkers to me. I mean, there, there was actually a situation. I don't remember exactly what year it was. I want to say it was either 2014 or 2015, but whatever year it was, it was the last year that the Carolina Cup, which was a very famous IDPA match that ran for like 20 years. Um, it was considered the the third nationals. It was it was the national level match that people really wanted to shoot uh, because generally speaking, the stages at nationals were pretty tame and, and kind of boring and gimmicky. Uh, but the Carolina Cup was run 45 minutes up the road from here in, in Oxford by a man named Frank Glover at, at his range in Oxford. And it was great. It was it was widely regarded in IDPA as as one of the best matches on the calendar of the year. And people, you know, flew from all over the country. People flew from Costa Rica, Jamaica, overseas. Like they they really came here because it was you know it was seen as if you come to America, if you're going to travel for one IDPA match a year, it was it was the one to do it. And uh, there was a there was a match where somebody arbitrated some call and the area coordinator was not on site uh, but because of the this rule was in effect where he was the he, he was by rule on the arbitration committee which is then you know so in USPSA for context US, in, in USPSA the the range master uh, when something's arbitrated the actually it's not the range master who's in charge of the rules the match director is charged with pulling three competitors who are at the range who then form the committee they interview witnesses, they gather evidence, and they make a ruling based on the rule book. You know, they vote. There's three of them, so if it's a two-one split, the two win. But they they basically make a ruling on on whatever objection that the competitor wished to arbitrate. And and again, IDPA does the same thing. It's a three-person committee, but it's always got this one person who is the handpicked representative of headquarters on it. And so they're always going going to sort of speak that headquarters view on things um and if i remember correctly at this match i don't remember if it was officially arbitrated or if it was just a matter that the area coordinator it was escalated to the area coordinator but um basically what ended up happening was frank glover the match director who owned the range where the match was being run it was his match it was being run under idpa rules but it was his match he'd put his his hours and blood sweat and tears into it uh you know somebody on the phone told him to give this competitor a reshoot when every fiber in his being told him that this person did not deserve a reshoot um and he had to do it or he would lose his idpa sanctioning and so he did it um he wasn't happy about it and that was the last year that the carolina cup was run under under idpa rules you know that that was that was the last straw for him which i mean i i can't 
I can't exactly fault him. You know, having having somebody remote telling you how to run things at your match is uh, I don't know. It's not great. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, like I said, I don't fault him for it. And so you know, the the fact that IDPA just real clear has has this structure where you know you headquarters has their fingers in everything. Okay, like if that's how they want to run the business and they want to be upfront about it, great. Uh, to some degree, I think that's that's actually better than this 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 model in USPSA where nominally we have this board. Um, that I think is widely seen as as just rubber stamping sort of whatever the the president and executive leadership want. You know, we we have this illusion of democracy, but not the not the actual positive aspects of it. And so, you know, at least USPSA or sorry, IDPA is uh, they're you know they're upfront about it. They they just they don't. That's not how they they run the organization. Which okay, fair enough. A um, couple other things I saw as I was as I was reading through the rule book that I thought were interesting. Um, I don't I don't actually remember what whether this when this was added, um, but I think this is actually something that USPSA should adopt tomorrow. They they have modified the range command, or maybe it was always this way in IDPA. Like I said, I don't remember. But in USPSA, when someone is unloading, it's unload and show clear. If clear, hammer down and holster. The command hammer down in a in a sport where most people, or at least many people, are not shooting single-action 1911, 2011 platforms is very confusing. You'll see new shooters, they don't understand how they're supposed to drop the hammer on their Glock, or they might have a double-single gun with a decocker, and they might decock the hammer, and then i got to say, no, 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 pull it out, pull the trigger. IDPA, the range command, pull the trigger. If clear, slide forward, pull the trigger. Easy right? It's, it doesn't, there's, there's not this idea of hammer down. It's you pull the trigger. What do you want me to do? I want you to pull the trigger on an empty chamber. I want you to show me the chamber is unloaded by pulling the trigger. It's, I mean, it just, it's so obvious. Like why not do it? Well, I mean, I know why not, you know, people are averse to change and you know, whatever, but it's just, yeah, such an obvious change. It, It should, in my opinion, it should be made tomorrow. Um, Something else that it was interesting. Again, I don't know when this rule went in. I don't remember it being in place when I when I competed. But uh, they actually say, uh, and this is this is actually I had to quote this in my in my notes because I wanted to get it right. Memory stages are prohibited in all IDPA stages and strings of fire. A memory stage is any stage where one must must remember the order of engagement or other shooting restrictions that are not intuitive to the shooter based on the design of the stage. Is that a great definition of a memory stage? Mm, not. Not really. I mean, you could, there's some gray area there. Now, I don't know how much people actually push the limits. I would imagine having having that statement in the rule book, you know, whether the literal definition is airtight or not, the fact that, hey, guys, knock it off. Memory stages are stupid. Stop doing it. Having that in the rule book, okay. Like, I, I have respect for that. There, there's a certain amount of protecting their brand that they have to do, and they don't want someone to come to a even a club match you know show up and shoot your first match and it's some gimmicky thing where you got to stare at it for 20 minutes to, to figure out how to shoot it and if you get it right you get an okay score and if you get it wrong then you you know miss two targets and you just get crazy miss penalties and failure to engage penalties and all this and it's just it it's it, it has so little to do with the actual shooting and navigating challenges of of what practical shooting should be that okay like yeah i'm good with banning that straight up you know, and again, match directors, I'm sure, will always push the limits, but but at least putting your foot down somewhere and saying, "Hey, obvious memory stages got to go." 
and I mean, I this this isn't a uh, this is a, a change that's been around for a while. But even the the shift to actually having fault lines for cover, which I genuinely thought we would never see. I, I figured fault lines were too USPSA ish. They don't want to be seen as too gamery. You know, there are still the things. I, I think the rule is still in there about no bullets out mag pouches. They're just all these all these little fashion things. You know, no air gunning where IDPA clearly wants to avoid appearing to be too similar to USPSA that, that I actually figured they, they would never go to having fault lines. Um, but I think when they did, it simplified things that much more because again, showing up, shooting your first match, it's no longer half your lower body or no half your upper body and all of your lower body must be, uh, behind cover relative to the individual target. It's like, no, here's a stick. If your foot's on this side of the stick, you can shoot the stuff. If it's on the other side of the stick, you can't shoot the stuff. You know, it, it, it makes the sport more approachable, which to me is the value. IDPA is the place to start, and it's the place to shoot carry guns. And and I, I think it, I mean, I haven't shot a lot of it, but from what I see, from what I hear, it still serves that job fairly well. I think the the competitive side of, of IDPA, you know, trying to turn it into a nationals-level sport, ultimately I, th- I think that's a mistake. I think, if anything, IDPA should get away from having big matches larger than say the state level because it's just it's it's a different purpose i think it's it's not meant to sort of test who can game your fishing vest the most really the the heart of idpa and the place where i see the most value in it and where i get value out of it is at the local level at the club match level you know where you can have a a club match on a on a weeknight with 40 people you shoot six stages you bring 150 rounds you shoot 70 of them and, and you can just do some interesting tests. And, I mean, the other the other thing that probably is worth mentioning is just the fact that the the requirements, the latitude that IDPA gives you to just dictate things, to just say, uh, you know, you, you have to shoot this from here and shoot this from there, or, or whatever it is, just to sort of arbitrarily construct the stages. It allows you to set up more interesting stages with fewer props. Are, is there more gray area in, in those stages? Yes. So if you do that at nationals, you have to start bulletproofing those stages and trying to, to cover up those gray areas. But if it's just a club match, you can you can have, you know, a bunch of barrels and, you know, a couple walls and you can build some really interesting stages without having to have a, a, a bunch of vision barriers blocking off every possible shoot through and angle. You just say, you know, shoot these guys from here, advance to this line, shoot these guys from here. And by having it in the brief, you can actually have more interesting stages with less setup time less administrative overhead and you so you can actually get a get more bang for your buck as a as a match director in terms of what you're setting up and so there's there's a trade-off there i think it it it, that is inherently something that is better for club level matches and worse for high level matches where there's a lot of status or prestige on the line where you have to do that that bulletproofing where you you really can't take advantage of of those abilities of just saying you know just having the stage be dictated by fiat you have to construct it in a in a USPSA way where where you're sort of funneled into certain options. I think at the club level having that option, being able to set up simpler stages and just dictating what you do gives you more latitude. It lets you set up, like I said, more interesting stages with less work and and less bulletproofing that you have to do as as a match director and a stage builder because even even USPSA matches at least around here, almost everybody's a volunteer. They're showing up, they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into it. Uh, but they they really have no reason to. It, it's it's not like they're you know getting paid to do it. And so 
I, I'm very thankful that, that we have people that are so dedicated and motivated and, and, and put that work into it. But, uh, you know, the fact that at a, at a local club level match where the competition isn't as fierce, you can have more gray area at the benefit of a lighter workload on the match director. So hopefully they don't burn out as much or they don't have to spend as much money buying props or they, you know, they don't have to feel as constrained to use the three walls that they might have at this small club or, you know, whatever it is. Um, that's a good thing. You know, I, I see it, I see it as a different filling, a different niche. You know, I, USPSA is, like I said, it's, it's for testing the best shooters at the state level, the national level, the world level. And there are a lot of things you have to have a tighter rule set for that much less gray area, much more, um, you know, rigid structures, much more uniformity between matches, which is cool. If you, you can, you can take your gear and go shoot a USPSA match anywhere in the country, but most people aren't traveling to shoot matches across the country. Most people are shooting the same one or two matches that are within 30, 45 minutes of their house every month, you know, year in, year out. And, and I, to me, that's, that's where IDPA fits in just fine. And like I've said throughout the, this episode, it's a place to get started the scoring system is simpler. The gear is simpler. It costs less to get into. And it's the place that you can still shoot guns that you might actually need to, to save your life with. And so to me, it, it's it's not like one is better than the other. They're just two different things for two different jobs. Now, I think if you try and game the heck out of your Glock 34 for IDPA and you you know buy a $200 fishing vest, like, yeah, you're wasting your time. But by the same token, I think you're wasting your time if you take your you know, Tenfolio stock two that, you know, okay, is yes, it's technically factory, you know, weight or whatever. I, I mean, I don't even know how IDPA does, does a weight limit with, you know, adding plus or minus ounces or whatever. I, I don't even know how they do that. I think it's just a flat weight limit in the division. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think the stock two is actually too heavy unless they've changed it anyway. But, you know, it's rather than taking your, your USPSA gamer gun and, you know, trying to shoot it at an IDPA match, like, no, you've got a Glock somewhere you've got an xd an mnp you've got you know beretta 92 you've got something else to go shoot and and just go shoot that get some trigger time get outside of your your comfort zone you know the the gun that you get so many reps with and just go shoot something else something that you might actually use one day uh to save your life and that that's what i do anyway and that's what i get out of it and and i i enjoy the heck out of it and i'm actually um, I'm looking forward to, to getting out and shooting some more IDPA later this year uh, once the, the matches start back up again uh, because it's different. It you know has a, a different practical purpose, and, um, and I, I enjoy it. So that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Talk to you next time. <laughs>